a really important topic this one. Today we're going to be talking about anxiety, depression throughout pregnancy and after the after birth. One in seven women will be diagnosed. It's an extremely taboo topic and something that we really need to talk about more. It's something that I'm super passionate about and uh, having lived you <laughs> living with an anxious person, um, you know, it'd be nice to hear what the partners definitely have to say as yeah well. I mean it's a, it's a real thing it's definitely nothing to browse over so that's what we're going to be digging into today and really unfolding all the uh, the goods and the bads and we do have a very special guest who you'll meet in a minute but welcome to first time parents an unedited unfiltered podcast about us as first time parents documenting our journey sharing all our shitty and glorious moments um, as we tell you all about our son Memphis Yes. So what's he now? Eight and a half months old? Yeah, eight yeah. and a half. So yeah, ready to spread the Re- love. I was going to say ready to walk. Were you going to say he's ready to walk? He well, hasn't even crawled yet. <laughs> he isn't. Um, but massive love to our sponsors this week. Um, it is Love to Dream. I don't know if you have heard of these guys, but if you haven't, absolutely one of the best inventions we've ever ever seen and we used it firsthand um so they've created like it's called the swaddle up and it's uniquely designed for babies to sleep with their arms up they still can self-settle they can touch their face um and it's quick and easy to use in the early hours when you know you're up doing the bottle nappy feed. yeah nappy yep. change or bottle feed in the early days looks super comfy yeah um Super cute too. And Memphi loved it. Yeah. So um, if you do want to get around those guys, and we suggest you do, make sure you use um, the awesome discount code that they've given us, which is 15 Heidi for 15% off. Love to dream.com.au. The offer ends on June 15. So get around them. Love to dream.com.au. Now for our guest, I'm like, ah, I've got to take a breath. Dr. Priya Alexander. So I feel like we so we connected through Stay Home Mums, which is um, a virtual mums group that Edwina Bartholomew from Channel 7 and myself have set up with the East Coast and the West Coast of Australia. And you're our wholesome doctor, um, which people can find online on Instagram as well. But I just have absolutely loved chatting to you. So I wanted to get you on the podcast. Welcome. Good day. Thank you, guys. Yay. I feel like Heidi's my little soulmate that I found across Australia. <laughs> I know. Perfect. It's been so nice. And well, the, like I said to you on Friday, we were we were speaking for stay home mums on a on a similar chat about um, postnatal and prenatal anxiety and depression. And I feel like there should be a Dr. Priya in every single city or town. And in your life. And in your life. Yeah. <laughs> in your life, just as a support person. That's it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I love I love the fact that you're a real honest. Um, you say it how it is. Um, you know, you're not afraid to talk about these subjects. You're not a, afraid to voice your opinion through the studies and um, you know your experience as a doctor. And that's what I absolutely love. And I think it's such an important topic. One in seven women um, will experience this. So, as you know, you're on maternity leave yourself right now. But how many women were you seeing? come through the doctor surgery um, every single day when you were a doctor with postnatal anxiety and depression? So a lot more than I think people listening would think is the answer. So I think people kind of look at this topic, like you said, as if it is kind of taboo, like, oh, does it really even happen? Or, you know, am I going through this alone? Or is it actually one in seven? Because, you know, people just don't really believe the stats. Um, you know, it's probably, it's possibly more than that because how many people struggle silently, we don't really know. Um, but I was seeing a lot of um, women and men 
um, you know, because, you know, partners are not immune to postpartum depression mm. um, with mental health issues. So, yeah, I think it's far more common than what listeners probably think. Yeah. Definitely. yeah. And I, I think it was when we, we've spoke before, I guess a big question for people would be like, what is the difference between anxiety and depression especially for a partner like you know you you I guess have witnessed me with my anxiety I was lucky that I didn't um you know I think I had days like I, I didn't I but I definitely didn't definitely. spiral into weeks or no or months no you would have your mornings or your afternoons or your evenings and then there'll be the odd day that you just have a, a day that's just sort of you're off the whole day but fortunately for you I don't think you did have consecutive days so I think that's kind of normal. I think people are going to have some sort of, whether it be a hormone uh, imbalance or um, just that anxiety of going, holy crap, I'm going to be a parent or I am a parent. Yeah. You know, it's just a lot to handle. But I think it's when you have those consecutive days where it is really debilitating. Um, mm. Fortunately for you, it wasn't the case. So, But definitely there were some you know, times in there that you start to question yourself and yeah. you think, Jesus, you know, what's going on? I don't feel myself anymore. It's, just, it's, it's uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, it really is. It's un- that's a good way of putting it, Griffo. It's uncomfortable. And, I, you know, I, I'm very open with sharing this. I've had anxiety about 10 years ago, um, you know, florid generalised anxiety disorder. And, you know, once you kind of have that, you're always going to be at increased risk. And I'm a type A perfectionist person, you know, constantly ticking boxes and meeting goals. And then motherhood's no different for me. And so, you know, like you said, Heidi, you have these moments where you, you know, um, feel really anxious. I have them too. Like our son hasn't slept well for a couple of nights and I've mm. kind of gotten into this anxious state. And this morning Will has said to me, please, we can do this. This isn't the end of the world. And he, he said to me, it's like it's only been four nights of crap sleep. And I was like, really? feels like six, six weeks. It feels, feels really bad. I think, <laughs> know I think that something's, feeling. <laughs> something's going on. And he's like, no, let's just let's knuckle down. Let's, you know, get back to basics. I think we've just lost sight here a little bit. But I'm anxious. Like I yeah. start to get really anxious about it. Like what's wrong? I'm never going to sleep again. I'm oh going to be tired. Yeah. yeah. We have moments. But I think the difference, and Griffo, like you said, is it's consecutive. If your brain is constantly ruminating and ticking and can't switch off and you can't sleep and you can't relax and you can't have those kind of bright moments in between, you probably need to do something about it. Yeah, it's so interesting that you say that, Priya, because I think sleep deprivation is a big thing. And that was why going into being a parent, maybe that was one of the reasons why I was scared to even become a mum. Because I just, you know, for the last five years, been really nailing my anxiety and understanding it and, you know, had really got it under control. Like, sure, there were triggers like with work or, you know, situations or some, some stuff like that. But I think sleep debt for me was a big one. And it's funny, like a lot of people don't know this, but Griffo is the one that gets up to Memphis in the night if he cries because it's a massive trigger for me because I'll start to spiral, won't I? Literally, you'll see me in the middle of the night. Like, what if he wants my milk? And like, I don't know what to do. And like, I get into that panic mode and it's like that anxiety. And then I start to think like, it's going to be the and you saying with Will saying it's okay. He'll be like that. He's just a baby, remember? And I start to think like, oh my God, what if we never sleep again? And this and that. And yeah. But it's funny how much it's amplified when you are the sleep deprived or anxious, because like you say, it's only been a couple of nights of poor sleep. And mm. you think about the scheme of things, that's bugger all. But when you're living it, it's absolutely hell. And you do think of the worst. You think, holy shit, this is my life. Gone. Gone, you know, I'm, I'm not coming back. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I can handle another, you know, week of this, you know, and you think it's only a couple of days, but 
And I guess one thing I've learned from parenthood is that it is a roller coaster. There are good and bad yeah. times, and you will come out of it, but hopefully. The low moments don't last for too long. So mm. I think support's probably the biggest thing with you and your partner, definitely. Yeah. yeah. And I think the sleep deprivation thing is a big one in that, you know, that's what made us have quite a big gap between kids. You know, we've, we've got nearly a four-year gap because I was really scared of fatigue again. Um, and I think it's an important point that you say that Griffo gets up in the night because Will, being a plastic surgeon, is used to sleep deprivation and sleeping, you know, three hours over four nights or whatever if he's operating. Wow. And he will get up and do the settling and he doesn't wake up and feel anxious or wake up in the morning and ruminate on how tired he is. Mm. It's good if you've got someone around you who can go, sleep deprivation won't kill you. You know, someone who can actually remind you that it will Mm. be okay, who can step in and support if your kid will take a bottle. Um, Oh, it can make a world of difference. And I prescribe that to patients all the time. You know, nap when you can. Get someone to help you if you yeah. can to let that brain rest a bit. Yeah, and I think too um, a lot of people, and I know because I used to be the same when I was in that anxiety spiral, would be like, but I can't sleep when the baby sleeps. And like, you know, because my brain's going 100 miles an hour, I've got to think about this and I've got to do, I've got to clean the house and I've got to do this. And then, oh my God, what if the baby cries? What if I never wake up again? And rah, 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 like, and you have all those thoughts. And I, I know now I sometimes will just turn a Um, it's called insight timer and it's my meditation savior and it's called yoga nidra and I'll put that on and it's like a 22 minute literally and it just relaxes your whole body and you just listen to the words of the person um, on the app and it just gives you that space and time and I start to go like you know sometimes yeah it brings you back down from the like the crazy and and calms you and It also sometimes you will just fall asleep, even if it's for like 10 minutes and then it wakes you at the end or you just listen to that person and it's amazing. It's like an amazing tool that will re-energise you without... You rave about insight time. I know. I'm a smiling mind and calm yes. fan <laughs> to other free apps, but I'm going to, you really, I've, over the and weeks, you really got me convinced, Heidi. I know. And I, I have to tell you, they've never sponsored me. I've never, you know, like, but I bloody talk about them all the time. And I reckon they'd owe me millions now if they actually made any money. <laughs> so um, they, they literally have any kind of, app, you know, meditation or anything that you want. And I, I think that's a good thing that we talk about as well is self-care and self-care can be different for each person person as well experiencing this stuff but I know in the early days when you are in that few months early bubble like you can't even sometimes think about daily self-care you know that's the last thing you think about so what would you as a doctor if someone came into your surgery and they telling you that they're not feeling right they aren't feeling unmotivated would they be the kind of things that they would say to you um, it's interesting. So, you know, I get kind of a couple of different presentations. One will be um, a person will come in and they'll go, look, my partner or my mum said I should come and speak to you. So someone's basically pushed them into my room. Sometimes they're joined by someone, someone who's really worried, who kind of says, I don't think they're going to tell you the whole picture. So that's one way I say people. Or I see people who kind of come in and go, I don't feel like me. That's really common. Um, and in that postpartum period, you know, we've both been there. Um, all three of us have been yeah. actually because um, we ignore the mail and I'm sorry, Griffo. <laughs> yeah. No, that's but, all right. Know, I'm used to it. Yeah. And so I have to kind of go into that and say to people, look, are you feeling um, as if you've lost yourself and your sexiness and, you know, all this kind of, um, you know, you stuff or are you feeling a mood disorder? So that can be quite hard to pick apart. Mm. Or at the six-week check, because we see loads of women for six-week checks, we get everyone to do an Edinburgh depression scale questionnaire, which you probably would have done, Heidi. 
Um, and that's when you pick up people who don't even realise there's something going on and they tick these boxes and they sit back and go, shit. Yeah. I don't, you know, it's a quite an eye-opening experience for them as well. Um, so that's the kind of three ways in which I, I tend to see people. Yeah. Okay. And what would you, so as a professional, because, you know, like I, I've talked a lot about my anxiety and stuff and, um, you know, we spoke about it briefly before we recorded the podcast. You, you have been prescribed medication yourself in the past. Yep. And then I, I've seen a psychologist, I've done lots of meditation and self-care, but you know, like we have spoke about before, sometimes you actually need medication. There is no, yep. it, it's actually going to save your life. And it doesn't have to be something that you're on forever. It just might be something that gets you through the hardship. Yes, yeah, so I think it's important to say, so if we if we really break this down for people listening, you know, there's postnatal um, depression, there's postnatal anxiety, there's a mixed picture where people kind of have the low mood, um, the really gloomy moments, but also the anxiety. So it's actually quite mixed. Um, you know, what we know with all mental health issues is that for people with kind of moderate or mild symptoms, that exercise, psychology, sleep hygiene, meditation, the lifestyle stuff can really be quite beneficial, mm. more so the medication in those people with mild disease. Yeah. The minute you have kind of moderate to severe, so you've got people who are, perhaps have suicidal ideation or thoughts of harming their child or, you know, significant sleep disruption or, you know, really gloomy negative symptoms, which means that the body's just slowing down, you can't get out of bed, you're gaining weight, these really red flag signs, um, then, yes, we know that medication is more superior there and you need to just, you know, you've got to do what you've got to do to get the mm. brain right again. And there's a real stigma with medication um, that, you know, I say to people, look, I would treat your pneumonia with antibiotics I would treat your blood pressure with a tablet if it was dangerously high. You treat your headache with paracetamol. So we treat the brain with an antidepressant if it's needed. It's not a, you know, it's not an addictive drug. It, it will save your life or your baby's life because there are mm. a lot of people who have thoughts of harming their child or themselves. Um, and so it's it, it can be a hard discussion to have. But I say to people, I've been there 10 years ago at med school when someone said to me, I think you need medication. I went, no way. Yeah. Um, I just did a gesture to you guys in the camera. <laughs> that was a Priya flipping the bird for the record. But <laughs> <laughs> um, you'd say it probably did, it, you know, did it save my life? Was it the exercise? Was it the psychologist? I'll never know. But it certainly, it's quietened my brain down and helped me. So yeah. it's helped many of my patients. So if you need it, please consider it. Yeah. It's, it's there for help. Yeah. Definitely. Well, I, I, like, I think it's such... Like, I guess the reason, you know, you touched on um, the harming of your baby and that even in itself is like a really taboo topic and something yeah. even we're like, oh, do you talk about it on the podcast? Do you not? Like when, you know, we spoke at Stay Home Mums, which is our Instagram page, our virtual mums group, um, if you want to check that out, we were kind of like, oh, do you mention it? But we just kind of rolled with it. But it is a real thing. And I we, we've spoke about it, Priya and Griffo, and I have spoke about it. Like some of those moments when you're not even depressed or anxious, and the baby just mm -hmm. hasn't stopped and it's in the in the Your frustration yeah, the, yeah. yeah and you know you sometimes do have those things like oh my god like what if I accidentally dropped the baby like you know and 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 you can't even imagine if it's day in day out and you're depressed and anxious now I'm not saying obviously it's okay to do it but I'm saying that I guess I just want to normalize the fact that I think everyone has had these thoughts Absolutely. And I think it's important to say that, that I think even like you just said, even without any depression or anxiety at all, without any underlying mood issue, we all get pushed to that point, mm, you know, definitely. like these little yeah. people 
are dependent for you on everything. Mm. This is what I say to mums in the consulting room. I'm like, you know, this person needs you to feed them, to to support their head, to roll them over, to yeah. do bloody everything for them. And it's bloody exhausting. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then you do everything for them and they scream at you, you and you're like, but you're fed and you've got a fine nappy and you've had a nap. What the F do you want from yeah. me? Everyone can get pushed to that point. And the key to this is when you get pushed to that point, put that child down in a cot where they're safe, shut the door and walk away. And, mm. you know, you can give it five minutes if you need to, but you just need to go and do a meditation um, or just have a moment or call call a, a loved one a mum and have a cry, but just put the child down because it can be quite easy. We talk about, you know, baby shaking and people kind of joke about it. But, you know, Will um, works at the children's hospital and sees some fairly horrific injuries that are, mm. that are you know, from parents harming children. Yeah. Um, you know, put the child down and walk away would be yeah. the thing. And don't feel guilty about having the thoughts because I think we all get pushed to that point. Talk mm. to your GP, talk to the maternal child health nurse or the midwife or your mum or a friend. Mm. But don't feel guilty because, my goodness, if, you know, before parenthood, have I told you this story, Heidi, about the mum who no. came into my consulting oh, room maybe at the, at the six week Yeah, tell us and anyway. And I said, um, and I said, you know, we did the six-week check. It's a half-an-hour appointment. And she was just about to walk out the door. And yeah. I said, well, it looks like things are going really well for you. And she was like, yeah, except I think about leaving him at the shopping centre and going home. And she was like accidentally leaving him at the shopping centre and kind of winked at me. And I was like, what do you mean? And I got her to sit back down and I was like, so you're thinking about leaving him at the shopping centre. What's going on? You know, tell me more about what's happening here. Now as a mum, I'm like, oh, I completely get the gag. <laughs> like we all have these moments of... <laughs> Imagine if I just, you know, by accident left you there. You yearn your old life. You're like, oh, my goodness, what if I did just, you know. It's okay to have it, but talk about it. Get help if you need it. Um, There's so many people there to support you. Yeah. I mean, we've we've had that. There's been times, I think, where I've said to Heidi, like, you know, you go and look after him or vice versa, where you are at your wit's end. You don't want to do anything stupid. You've got to that point that I'm going to break soon and hopefully you've got someone there that can sub in for you to just take over. And like you say, if you are on your own, put the baby in a safe spot and take five. They can cry for all they you know they want, but that might be a lot better than potentially you going over the edge. Yeah. Well, remember our obstetrician, Dr. Mike Allen, said no baby has ever died from crying. Like, and so... It doesn't sound great when they're no. going full oh, steam. Especially but. when it's the blood curdling and you, you, you're trying to let the neighbour know, I'm not killing my baby, I'm not killing my <laughs> yeah. baby. Like, the other day I hid in the toilet from Memphis for the very first time and I just yeah. cried. And it was because he's going through this leap, which is that's a whole other podcast that we definitely will talk to about because I've had a few requests about leaps and milestones and, mm-hmm. um, and all that kind of thing. And, he, you know, he's textbook leap. So he's clingy, he won't you know you pick him up but then he hates it and then you know he he's frustrated that he can't crawl and he's got all this stuff going on in his little poor little brain and he's just not himself at all like big mood swings and I just I couldn't handle it anymore and I actually I said to Priya the other day I don't think I told you this I screamed fuck fuck and then I like had to walk away and I was just like crying I had tears running down my eyes and I just sat in the toilet and I just was like, I could, he, he stopped and then he started again. And I was like, I just need to do a poo. And I did a poo and I sat there in my stinky poo because I didn't want to go back. And then I just thought, oh, I'll take a photo of this because this is going to be a moment I'm going to look back at. And then I was like, oh, fuck it. I'm going to share it. It took me a couple of days because I felt a lot of shame and embarrassment and guilt 
And then um, I ended up posting it online and I've had so many people contact me saying, oh, yeah, that's normal heights. That'd be like, very relatable yeah. to a lot of parents, I would say. Yeah. Very relatable. And I think we all have that moment where you're like, I'd rather be smelling my own turd <laughs> yeah. than out there with my kid right now. <laughs> yeah. but I think we all get pushed there. And I think it's dishonest if we say that, you know, and that's the other thing, sorry, that we haven't spoken about yeah. that I'm quite passionate about is I think for parents, like males and Mm. females or same-sex, all of us, there's this really high bar on social media now particularly mm. where, you know, this journey is already quite tough but you kind of see other people doing it with, you know, looking phenomenal with signed letter boards and cups and mugs that say <laughs> super mum and, yeah. you know, flowing dresses and a husband that looks cracking and he's always around for some reason and I just feel bitter and jealous about it. <laughs> social media. <laughs> freaking bar yeah, and I yeah. say that to parents and a lot of women will say to me in the in the in the consulting room Priya this isn't how I envisioned it this mm, is not what yes. I was going to be like and that's you know I think that kind of um the reality hit when you go holy mama letterboards like I don't have time to bloody you know <laughs> yeah. wash my hair yeah. like signed letterboard of like <laughs> yeah. you know exactly Oh, and it's so true. I really love that you brought that up because I think that that's something that I actually really sometimes, you know, because it is the highlight reel and everyone needs to know that, that social media is the highlight reel. And I am very blessed that Griffo was around. Like, I actually believe the first few weeks I couldn't have done it without him. And I'm grateful that he was there with his shirt off, <laughs> as you'll see in all these, in all our Instagram videos. But I do sometimes feel for people because I'm like, I don't want them to think, you know, and I'm building a business at the moment that I've got all my shit together and everything like that because that uh, that's my standard that I'm working towards but that doesn't fucking fit everyone no, does it like no. it you know and we're all different and I think yeah don't compare yourself to people online that's the last thing that you should be doing and if you are and you're really feeling those negative talks all the time that's when they should get in touch with a GP right absolutely um if you're having that negative self-talk like oh you're not good enough you're not matching up that's a, often a, a sign of something else going mm. on and I would have a chat to someone. But also, you know, the thing I say to patients is you should be unfollowing people who make you yes. feel inferior. I, I say just, that too. I was just going to say, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, don't do it. Like, if you know, and <clears throat> I'm not going to use any names here, but if I look at people and I'm like, oh, mum, I'm never going to be like that, I'm like, why am I looking at it? Yeah. This is unrealistic. Yeah. Um, goodbye. And it you makes know? you feel just, like shit. You don't yeah. need that. Yeah. You know, that, <laughs> No, They're not doing it to hurt you, but, yeah, 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 it is. Well, let's talk a little bit about the male perspective because, yeah. you know, I've definitely shared mine and I think, like, we could go so much more into our journey as, um, you know, the mums and stuff. And like what you said, Priya, like, sometimes the, the guys get forgotten. And I know for you, you've definitely shared throughout this podcast your – you pretty much um, – felt like you really lost your identity at the start and that's something that we don't probably talk about a lot with guys do you want to tell a little Priya a little bit about your experience yeah well I think for me it was pretty hard right at the start like I was just chatting to Heidi earlier on I think with the mum they've got nine months to kind of prep themselves and they know it's coming and they're sort of you know they feel that baby growing inside whereas the, the father knows that the baby's coming but they don't have that build up and then all of a sudden bang you have that kid so it is kind of knife edge that I felt that like one day I didn't have a kid the next day I did and even though that's the same for you but you've been working on that in the last nine months of creating this baby yeah. um so with that knife edge it was just sort of holy shit you know I'm a, I'm a dad now I've got this huge responsibility 
But off the back of that, from being so free and so, you know, you know, you weren't I, free. I, I had you locked well, down. Yeah, I had the ball and chain. <laughs> but I, I did, you know, live quite a free life and was able. Yeah, <laughs> I was able to get out and about, do what I want. I had time to myself, which I really enjoy. Uh, I like my space. I like my peace and quiet, and I love time with Heidi. And now this little guy came into our life, and that just all went out the door. And um, yeah, I think for me the hardest thing was just my identity because I couldn't do that. It was all about this kid, and it was all about caring for. My, or my family and I did feel I got pushed aside which that's not about poor me and I know that's unfortunately just what you have to do but in myself I did feel I lost uh, a good chunk of who I was and you kind of do get into that spiral of is this how parenthood is you know I don't know if I like this and but being the male I think I think I can't remember how the meme goes but on this on the um face value you look fine but underneath you know there's a lot going on oh, and yeah. they say you know the glue to the family and we do yeah. have that stigma of we've got to be the foundation of the family we've got to hold everyone together we can't show any cracks and you know I do believe that because it is kind of like well someone has to he's old school um, sometimes but the mum you know obviously they've got to look after the kid and unfortunately the mum's not too bothered about that or not as bothered about the dad as they are for the kid, which is completely, I guess, understandable, maybe stereotypical, I don't know. But so whilst mum's looking after the kid, I'm looking after mum and kid and, and no one's looking after me. And then I've oh, sort of lost Oh, poor James, no, I'm just joking. But I guess all that going on in my head was just sort of, yeah, it was just a bit weird and hard to comprehend. And yeah, you did spiral to a way of going like, this is, is if this is it, like I'm, I kind of want to wind back and put, mm. put it back, you know? I feel like I've just been in a consulting room with like a lot of my male patients. Seriously, yeah. That, that and do, that. Can I just say I, I will recommend this to patients because um, that's exactly what men will say. Male partners and some female partners as well for same sex will say. You use the term. I felt pushed aside. Mm. You, you said that, and it's people guys feel really guilty saying it, but it's so. Um, it's, it encapsulates how the male partner feels, which is this person comes along, is on the boob. So not only, you know, does Heidi get to feed the child and Heidi somehow knows innately what he wants and your life has changed, Rufo, but then also you kind of lose Heidi to Memphis. You know, why does yeah. he get the boob and he gets the body and she's too tired to maybe have sex with me now? Like it's a really complex shift that happens mm. Um, and what you said was exactly what I've heard in the consulting room from men. It was just like I had tingles on my body because yeah. it was just, you know, that, that encapsulates what men say. And there's also this thing of, um, and it's not a stereotypical thing, but often if the, the woman has the child, you know, you go on mat leave. And so whoever the partner is kind of wears the financial mm. responsibility of the family. Yeah. And I've had male patients come in because I treat the entire families who go, look, and, you know, I'm bound by confidentiality, so I would never disclose anything anyway. But they go, they don't know this, but I'm having panic attacks at night because I'm just freaking out about, you know, the fact that we've got another kid coming along the way. I don't know if we can financially sustain it. I don't want to do all this on my own. I don't want to say to her that her income actually really takes the burden off for me. It's a really complex process that goes on. And I think not enough people probably appreciate mm. the shift that, 
the partner goes through. So. Yeah, and you know, I joke, I joke around. Then even like you know, probably shouldn't have even cut you off saying like, "Oh, poor James," because I like that is not how we talk about it in no. the house. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm very supportive and that kind of thing. But I think when you're in those early days, you don't really think about the other partner. You think just fucking get your shit together, mate, because I need you. That's I remember sometimes your I would think vision. like that. I would vision. just be like, "Look, I don't have time to hear you," and you know, and and that felt really awful and. I think what, um, I don't know if you know this, Priya, but he'd quit his job from FIFO to move home to be with us. And Griffo was going to be the stay-at-home dad this year. And I was going to go back into radio. And then just before Christmas, <laughs> uh, like I just decided, you know, well, it was kind of like a lead up, but we kind of talked about it and stuff. But um, I decided not to go back to work. That's Griffo's biggest trigger. So we were both unemployed at Christmas time. <laughs> because he didn't have a job. And so that kind of probably feelings kind of surfaced up a little bit around about that. And he's a he bottles stuff in. So I'll start to see cracks in him when he starts drinking because he'll start to get short with me. It's the way that he looks at me. It's the way, and yeah. I'm like, oh, and I now know not to take it personally, whereas I used to take it personally before, didn't I? Because I'm like, oh, no, he's got shit that he needs to get out. And then I'm like, just say it, <laughs> just get it out. What you guys do though? Do you then say we need to talk about what's going on? Like, what's your strategy then when you see the signs? Pretty much. Well, yeah. Sometimes we get to boiling point, but yeah. And I think sometimes, yeah, like definitely, there's been moments where I've had a couple of drinks and instead of bottling up, I might just say it. And instead of rolling it out in a, hey, let's come to the table and talk like adults, you know, you, you do become a bit snappy. And I think we both do at yeah. times. And if we're if the opposite person is already a bit tighter or a bit on edge, then they're going to bark back and then, bang, you've got an argument from zero to 100 just like yeah. that. So, um, you know, we're always going to be working on ourselves and as a couple. And I think we do learn more and more about each other every fight we have or every instance yeah. we go through. Um, and I guess yep. that's life until the day you die, you know, you're never going to figure out each other 100%. Yeah. But I think with us, we we do try to, you know, stop and have a chat when we can. And uh, if we do see someone that's a little bit, uh, you know, out of sorts. So, you know, we I think we work pretty well together. But that, that. I didn't. Sorry, I didn't mean for it to be like a GP. Oh, I know. <laughs> now, but these are the questions that people can ask themselves, though, like, you know, with their partners. Oh, well, I did feel like I was doing a concert. I was like, stop, Priya, stop. <laughs> what I, what I, we what like I, it, Priya. We like, we'll, we'll pay you later. I was just going to say, how much is this? <laughs> I'll send you a bill. It's yeah. That's you know, you know uh, finance is my trigger, so. <laughs> 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 but what Will and I do, because what you're describing is so common, what we do is we go, let's go for a walk and a talk because mm. walking is our way of having those really hard, shitty conversations, which is when I go to Will, I notice that you're snapping at me. I notice that you're slightly irritable. Is it because, you know, we figure stuff out? And it's a tactic that I get parents of adolescents to use, which is get in a car or go for a walk because there's no eye contact. Mm. Um, yeah, kind of distracted and people kind of say stuff. My mum used to do it with me. She'd get me in the car and be like, I noticed things are going on. And I'd be like, well, actually, there's this huge driver in my life. But in hindsight, <laughs> I'm like, if that was the biggest drama, I'd bloody love it. Yes. Like, yeah, blocking me out. You know, yeah. Right. Um, but that, that's a tactic you can use. So I say to patients, I'm like, if you know this stuff, go for a walk and a talk or do something distracting so it's not kind of let's discuss this and work this out, which is a yeah. lot of pressure. Yeah. 
um, especially for a bottler Griffon, like you can feel a bit put on a spot, like tell you my feelings, I haven't even figured it out myself. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, missing out on the eye contact can help just as a, you know, that, that's what we do. That's good because I know sometimes Heidi looks at me, I can see her looking straight through. I'm like, this, is she going to either kill me with her eyes or is she fully, like, reading me? And I'm like, ah. And then I'll probably, like, snap or look. With, I know that, like, sometimes the way I look. Yeah, we'll I be can really, tell. We'll be really, really guilty, but that it's not I'm hiding something. It's just, like, you make me feel uncomfortable, so I look away like I'm nervous. And uh, I probably never told her this, but she probably knows it that she's got that one up or another one up on me. But yeah, maybe we walk, or maybe. And if it's bad weather, what we'll do, we'll just blindfold each other and we'll have a conversation. Yeah. There we go. Maybe that's the way. And we'll have a laugh. Sometimes I say to Will, I'm like, don't look at me. I've got something to tell you. Because I tell Will, like, my deepest, darkest. Like, I'm a ruminator and I'm like, oh, yeah. Jealous of something. Um, some weird thing and I'm like can yeah. you please close your eyes and he's like okay and he sits there like this <laughs> and everything out but it just don't look at me eye <laughs> contact can make it quite hard yeah also how they're reading your facial expression before like you yeah. say like am I looking guilty am I looking like a, a bucket like what's yeah. going on here um, so, yeah, I would say you know keep talking because yeah. it, is, it is hard and we do get irritable and the other thing I say to patients is when you're buggered and you're tired you give your best to your kids so yeah. we've got two kids now. I give my best to both of them because I have to and I take, you know, like we all do the yeah. double parenthood really seriously. So I put my love into meals and mm. let's read 16 stories and let's write the word cat on the whiteboard 16 times. Yeah. So that by the time Will comes home, I'm like, fuck you. I'm, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and you don't save your best for that for that person who's, who's your rock. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so you've got to kind of find ways to nurture that because it's mm. bloody hard. And yeah. how do you nurture um, the emotional aspect, the sexual aspect, the physical aspect mm. without the sex? It's hard. It takes a lot of effort. Definitely. I, I only spoke to you about that the other day, didn't it? We were actually on a walk down the beach and um, I was listening to, do you love Brene Brown? Do you... Well, you talk about Renee oh Brown and I need to Google. Oh, my God. Priya, she will change your life. So she got famous for her vulnerability talk, which was a TED Talk, and she's a shame researcher from Texas. And she's um, she's hugely famous now, and she's got this podcast called Unlocking, and she talks a lot about, you know, parenting and that kind of thing and the guilt and the shame and everything that people experience. And one of the things that her and her husband do is when they get home, like so she's out, you know, away, you know, at conferences or whatever, and she'll be away all weekend and then he's had the kids or whatever when they walk through the door they give each other like what percentage they're at so if she's at like I've only got because she used to come home and be like oh my god I can't wait to sit down and have a wine and you know it's been so hectic I've given everyone myself and then he would be like I've just given everything to the kids I can't wait for her to get home and spend time with the kids and they both needed time out so then they give each other a percentage of where they're at out of a hundred and um and she's like, well, I'm only sitting at a 40. And he's like, oh, well, I'm at a 55. So he'll take it for the team. So that's how they work out. So just before, because that was when they would fight because he would be like, well, you haven't b- bloody been here. And she's like, well, I've been working for the family. and rah, rah, rah. So then they would end up, you know, having a fight. So they would give each other what, honestly, because Guru, you said. I said, said I'm at zero every time, so I'll win. <laughs> and I was like, well, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, big zeros. <laughs> you do have to be honest, but yeah, that's yeah. one of the things that she talks about, like uh, that she does with her partner, and it and it saved a lot of anxieties and um, you know, and issues in their relationship and stuff. Yeah, 
Oh, is she frozen? Uh oh. Are you there, Priya? Um, yeah, I, yeah, that's actually back. not a bad way to do it. And so on that note, I was just thinking of what I prescribe my patients, which is I often say to them that you need to support each other's self-care. Like yeah. even if it's just a 45-minute patch where Griffo goes, look, Hides, I really need 45 minutes to, I don't know what you do, Griffo. I don't want to assume looking at you. <laughs> he's a runner. Like doing in his spare time. <laughs> like, <laughs> does he like surfing or skating? He's a runner. He's one of those things. He looks like a surfer, doesn't he? But, okay. but, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he does. I didn't want to assume. <laughs> I was like, it must be something really cool because yeah. it's like a cool dude. But, um, <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> that sounds like an old lady. It's really embarrassing. No, I love you. You're not old hey, at all. You're, you're, you're a mum with two, so you're getting on now, so it's all over. So <laughs> running. So that's what Will and I do, you know, like, and that's what we're doing today, which is, um, you know, we talked about it last night, you know, what are you going to need tomorrow? And I was like, I'm going to need sleep, mate. I'm going to yeah. need to not set an alarm and wake up when my body wants to. Yeah. Um, and he was like, well, I'd really like to go and see a mate for golf because the golf courses have reopened yeah. in Melbourne again. Um, and, he, and, you know, it's got, it can't be, you know, one person goes for a run mm. and one person takes half a day for a day spa, like not saying that you can't do that. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it could be that. But, you know, he could play nine holes with a mate and, and I've had my sleep in and I'll do some Pilates later. Mm. It's kind of how do we support each other, still have some me time, mental health time, recharge the batteries but also be there for each other. Hard to do. Like, it gets harder and harder as you add mm. more kids, which is why we're done at two, personally. Yeah. But um, He wants really to be done at one. Say, we're done. Are you done? No, cut, cut, I'm not. Cut the cord. <laughs> <laughs> but he is. <laughs> there's, the other, there's the other thing I get in the consult room. Yeah. Is the, the discrepancy. How do you sort that out? It's, it's very, it's very easy. It's black and white. I've given you one. It's better than none. So be well, happy. Then we won't have any more sex. So there you go. That's all right. <laughs> oh, you got your mate. You got your hand. I think you're, already, I think you're in the beginning phase, and you don't know. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. too early. Yeah. It's yeah. um. We were saying though. I think when we've spoke about it in previously, Priya, like. Some people don't have a supportive partner. Like, you know, you've got Will and I've got Griffo. They might have parents or partners that are a bit old school that don't believe in this kind of thing and just think, just put your bloody clothes on and put a face on and get up and sort yourself out. Like I was saying to you, there was days where I didn't have a shower or wash my hair or, you know, clean my teeth or whatever, but there was no judgment here. And it was like, you'd just check in. My mum would be like, are you sure you're okay? And it was just that I was just, you know, in the bubble. But what do, what do people do that um, don't have that, you know, that supporting partner or parents that, you know, but they, they're saying all that horrible stuff like, oh, mental health issues, that's bullshit. You know, like what would you suggest? I think that's when you need to reach out and chat to someone else that you trust. And mm. I think women in Australia are fairly um, lucky in that you've got people like your GP, which, you know, you can go to for literally anything. But then you've also got maternal child health visits. You're usually linked in with a hospital system, be it private or public. Um, so you've got midwives there who you can reach back out to. Um, you've got your obstetrician at your six-week check if um, if that's someone that you're seeing if you're in private. Um, you know, I think that you've got to reach out to someone. And, and I say to people, you need to reach out to the right person when we talk about this topic. If you're struggling, you need to go, who do I feel safe telling you know, who do I feel safe saying I'm not okay or, you know, is this normal is the question. You know, people will say to me, is it normal to kind of not really um, want to, to touch your baby or is it normal to resent them? That's a common question. And if you want to ask that question, you want to be sure that the person you're asking is going to be non-judgmental 
and supportive and be able to help you um, yeah. if you need it. So if, if you don't think you've got that person, I would ask your friends potentially for recommendations or look at a site like Panda, which is really helpful. Yeah. And, like, that's the thing, isn't it? That's another thing that no one talks about. Like, just the the love that you experience with your child might not come straight away. And I think people are too scared to ask these questions or, you know, and that's why I'm always trying to be real careful of how much I say I love Memphis because I understand that people will get that, but it doesn't always come straight away and it comes differently for all of us and, you know, for hormones, for your, you know, you might already have anxiety or depression or, um, you know, like something could have happened in birth, you could have a traumatic birth or whatever that you don't feel that connection straight away. And I think that's something that we really need to normalise as well. Yeah, I think there's this expectation that bonding will just happen, that it's a given, um, mm-hmm. and, it, and it certainly isn't. And, you know, I'm very honest in that when I had our daughter, um, I didn't bond immediately with her, um, and that was because of the really traumatic birth that we had. Um, but, you know, it took quite a bit of time for us to to kind of, for me to kind of go, you know, I really love and want to smell and touch and kiss this child, it, you know, that real innate um, love. It took a while and I felt so guilty and I felt like a failure. And I remember mm. saying to one of my friends who's a psychiatrist, like, I've effed this, like, some, you know, something's not right. And she was like, no, pre, you nearly died in childbirth and this is normal. Um but you feel guilty because you see these kind of women on Instagram who are like, oh, if we, I felt it immediately. You know, you measure yourself. You can't help it. Mm, yeah. yeah. Um, so I think it's important to say that everyone's journey with this whole thing is really unique. How we conceive, you know, I can't tell you the type of conception journeys some of my patients have gone through. Same-sex couples, the journey they go through is mm. so difficult, um, you know, for, for how they get egg donors or sperm donors yeah. and decide who's going to carry the child. Pregnancy is a journey, miscarriages, you know, stillbirths. People go through such different experiences. Um, and then motherhood and, and birthing in itself, like it's such a bloody spectrum of mm. stuff. Yeah. And I you know, if, if you're going, holy mama, this journey is full on and is this what it's meant to be like, the answer is probably yes. Yeah. It is full on. It's meant to be like this. But if you're feeling overwhelmed or you're feeling like you're not quite enjoying the journey as much as you should or you're not yourself or you're scared of your thoughts mm. or you're scared of what you might do to your child, you need to get help. Like yeah. I think, you know, you have a low threshold to anyone listening going, is this normal? Go and ask someone, mm. please reach out. Yeah, and I think like I, I think there was a moment for me when I had Memphis and I decided to do cord blood, um, what's it called? The, so with cell care, I ended up doing like we donated the cord and everything so that we could store it in case anything happens to him later down the track. Um, and in the end, that was one of the things that I was remunerating on for the first few days. Because of the um, because 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 he had all the issues low in, in, blood yeah uh, low sugar. blood sugars and stuff so so you were thinking holy crap because we've donated the cord he mightn't have got all the nutrients out of the cord if we let the cord stay attached that little bit longer because I think they cut it quite yeah quite, quite quickly yeah, so that I was like you know and you hear all these people saying you know you you should let the cord what is it called these days where they what drain out to the yeah to the baby cord cord yeah and so I was like I didn't do that and that was one of the thoughts that I remunerated on the first few days but like I said to you mine was very fleeting I would have it for a few hours or a few days and I've spoke heaps about the baby blues like I had severe baby blues um and but I was 
was lucky I was warned. So before we wrap up, um, because I know you've probably got to get husband off to his round of golf and you've got to go be <laughs> mum and then you can do your Pilates later this afternoon and I'm going to see a psychic. Woo! Um, what, would, <laughs> no, what would you say the difference between, so for people listening going like, shit, maybe I have some of these feelings and some of the things that they've talked about today. What is the difference between like, you know, just a, maybe a bit of baby blues compared to um, really needing to reach out and get the proper help, you know, with a GP? So, um, sorry, it's just, yeah, okay. Sorry, just for a minute, a bit funny. Um, so baby blues, baby blues are um, fairly horrific. That's about, you know, day three to usually seven to ten post-birth. You would know, Heidi, I had it as well, um, mm. particularly with my daughter, um, you kind of just are in this whirlwind of hormonal fluctuation and teariness and you can't quite control it is, mm. is the truth. You just kind of dry, cry at the drop of a hat. Um, you feel you actually feel really quite tumultuous, like you're on a roller coaster. Like yeah. You're so elated. Like, oh, my God, the baby's so beautiful. Oh, I don't want the baby to die. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to die and leave the baby. But, oh, my God, I'm so glad I'm alive. <laughs> it's kind of this real roller coaster, but yeah. it's fleeting. You know, yeah. it, it, it is a fleeting thing. It usually lasts maybe a couple of days and it wears off. Yeah. Whereas postpartum depression, um, is it tends to be persistent. It's kind of day in, day out. You're having gloomy days. You're not getting the joy from the stuff that you usually would. So if you used to enjoy going for a run like Griffo or you used to enjoy doing Pilates, that joy is kind of gone now. You don't look forward to the future. You're not really motivated. You might not enjoy your child. You're starting to withdraw a bit. You know, I don't want to see people. I don't really want to spend time with my partner. There's lots of things like sleep can go off, appetite, but it's this kind of persistence of the symptoms. It just doesn't abate and it, um, it's exhausting for the person, really, really, really exhausting and for the partner too. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's the, that's the main difference. Well, I reckon after listening to this, everyone, we're almost about to lose Priya with the internet connection. So if we do lose you, don't stress because we're wrapping up. But Priya, thank you so much because I just, like I said, I feel like I've found a new soul sister. It just sucks that you live on the other side of the country and we're in Corona and we can't even meet halfway. But um, you're just so, you're so, it's so, it's so nice to chat to someone um, that, you know, has the education, the profession. And just like I always say to you, I can understand why you're called the wholesome doctor on um, on Instagram because that's what I feel like you are. And it's just an absolute pleasure every time I talk to you. So thank you so much. Thank you, guys. I've really enjoyed this chat. And Heidi, I hear you, sister. And when this is over, when they put have the planes running, I'm coming. Woo! I'm coming for a <laughs> the, other, the other good thing is as well is that you are a mother and, yeah. you know, you have experienced it. And from what you've said, there's been some highs and definitely some lows. So, you know, you can speak from the heart as well. It's not just, oh, this is what I've been told or researched. Mm. You've actually lived it. So it's nice because you have that connection. You go, we, we do get each other to a certain degree. So. Yeah. Yeah. Really appreciate the chat. Yeah, you're too. awesome. Thank you. Guys, you guys are awesome. I love it. Yay. Thank you. Thanks. So Dr. Priya Alexander, make sure you check her out, The Wholesome Doctor on Instagram. I think maybe like as we wrap this up, a really 
important thing would be maybe just have a mental health check in with your partner um, on both sides and, you know, go for a walk or sit in the car so you don't have to look at each other. Um, but, you know, there's some, I think from today, there's some really things, awesome things that you can look out for, um, you know, to see where they are and, and where their head's at. But um, we're always here for you guys if you need to get in touch as well. And just remember that there are some amazing sites like Panda, Lifeline, 1311, 14. Um, but yeah, love always checking in with you. If you want to jump on uh, First Time Parents, our Facebook group, and also don't forget our massive love to our sponsors, love to dream.com.au. The swaddle up is uniquely designed for babies to sleep with their arms up to self settle. And it's quick and easy to use in the crazy hours of the morning. Use 15 Heidi for 15% off. But thank you so much, everyone. We love you and take care. See you later. Bye.